hello, everybody. From a studio far, far away. Watar. That's right. This is the episode that traverses the seas. This is called White People Juju. This is exciting. Today on Watar, we look at the old world and talk about white people juju. So, let's get started right now. First things I want to do is I want to tell you a couple stories. These come from our experiences at First Things Working Overseas. Here's one. One of our field workers, we'll call him Jake. He was shaving his beard, and in shaving his beard, uh, he threw his whiskers outside. This is in Sierra Leone, the Mende people. And after he threw his whiskers outside, some kids came around, as they tend to do, and basically picked up his whiskers, knocked on his door and said, hey, Jake, in Mende, West African language, you shouldn't do that. Jake, big, strong American guy working for First Thing, said, shouldn't do what? And they said, you shouldn't leave your whiskers out here in front of your house like that. But Jake looked out, just thought it was the dirt. And they said, no, no. If you leave these out here, then a priestess or a priest could come by and pick it up and use it to put a juju spell on you. That happened. That's a real thing. That happened to one of our field workers. Yeah. How about this? This happened to me. One day in Mali in West Africa, working in a similar capacity, this time with Peace Corps before First Things was founded. Well, I had, let's just say, a girlfriend. That's right. Don't worry, guys. My wife doesn't really listen to this particular podcast meant to help us help people all around the world. She has a a real life and lives it. And I like watching her live it. It's exciting. But anyway, uh, in days of of yore, before I met my wife, I had a girlfriend. She was Molly, and her name was Nani, which means four. I don't really know what that, why? Anyway, Nani and I were good friends. I used to go over to her compound, to her hut where she lived, uh, this was actually in the capital. It wasn't a hut. It was a, it was a kind of a nice compound of five or six houses. And one time I went over there and I couldn't find her. It was later at night, pretty, pretty late at night. Didn't find her, found her grandmother. And I said, Hey, is Nani around? She said, Oh, I think she went out back. So I went out back. Yeah. When I went out back, <clears throat> I walked into, it was a little house and on the ground was a like a football, mini football field of sand. And on the sand or over the sand, sort of on all fours, was a man who had placed, and in a flash, I saw this, in a flash. What's a flash sound, Andrew? Flash. In a flash, I realized he was bent over and he was placing pictures in the sand, which was maybe half an inch deep. Or he had already placed pictures and he was doing some sort of words over the football field of sand with pictures and candles. And then he stopped. And with big, wide eyes, turned his head over his own shoulder, 
looking back at me and our eyes met and I was scared as it gets, some would say scared as hell. I was scared as if I was in hell. And I ran. That is a fact. And I, I don't know, I wasn't muscular, but I had muscles and I left. Woo, that was scary. I'm scared. To, I'm scared telling you about it. Yeah. Woo. Uh, what was happening? Well, that guy apparently, as I was told later, was a priest of Juju. He was reading probably an earlier event. And that event would have been a cockroach or some other insect, a mouse perhaps running across this little football field of sand, this little half inch deep sand. And he was reading where these creatures had trodden and reading the patterns where they had ran according to the pictures he had previously placed there as a type of prayer or offering. What? That happened. He was like an insect reader. Yeah, pretty wild. There's the story of Ben. I could go on. Ben, who worked in the South, in Sicasso. Oh, they put all kinds of hexes on that guy because he thought he was just going to date the chief's daughter. Just like, I don't know, hold hands and go walking around in the cornfields or in the, in the, in the fields where they grew rice. And that was dumb because you really don't date certain parts of the world. I can tell you about this crazy rock formation in Georgia, this pre-Christian rock formation. I can tell you about the Mayans. Whoa. They like to box stuff up and then burn it and stuff explodes. It's hard to explain. I'm happy to. We can do it another time. But all of our work, well, basically will place us in a place where you would think of it as juju today. We look at white people, Juju. So I'm going to do it right now. And I'm going to do it for a reason. And if you're still with me, you're wondering, why is he going to do white people, Juju? Because I want to explain something. We're in the throes of a beautiful sort of a four-set pack of spiritual inquiry on Watar. This is the first pack. This is called white people, Juju. I want you to listen to this video, okay? This lady, who is known in Appalachia as a witch, this lady is going to explain something to us that will help us realize something about the old world. So I want to introduce you to a witch living in Appalachia only 10 years ago. She went and milked that, that evening. The milk was all right that evening. The next morning she went to milk and her, and her milk was all blood. Uh-oh. Her milk was all blood. Well, she took some of that milk and went and dug her a hole in the ground, wrote her a ticket, and got her some kerosene. What? Lamp oil. She got her some kerosene? Took that milk and that ticket and poured it in that hole and set it in the fire. A couple of days after that, Dad's brother's wife come up and let her see. She had burns all over her body. What? 
So you can't see this. If you can't see this, there's this lady. Let's call her aged. Let's call her hair Einsteinian. Can we do that? And she just told the story of putting a spell on somebody. I think it was her mother took some milk that had had blood in it and put it in a hole and put some kerosene and lit it on fire. And then one of her, one of her rivals got burned. I believe this is um, over here in Kentucky where we're hearing this story. Look at this story right here. This one's hot. Here's another story. White people juju. This is a grandma. I think this is in Owsley County in Kentucky. I remember of seeing that old lady just very dimly. And the picture I have of her sitting on a little old porch on the side of their house with a bonnet on her head and her eyes closed, just sitting there. And she was supposed to be a witch. A witch? She had two grandsons, and they always went to visit the Gross Boys. The grandsons' names was Everett and Earl, and the Gross Boys' names were Brooks and Arch. But the Gross Boys would never go back because they had heard about Aunt Junie's witchcraft. But this night, they did. They went home with the boys to stay all night. And, Yikes. Um, they were all sitting around the fire talking, and Aunt Junie's sitting there in front of the fire in her rocking chair. Ethel came in, the granddaughter Ethel, and she said, Granny, we don't have no milk for supper. And she said, mm-hmm. So directly she come back and she said, Granny, we need that milk now. Mm-hmm, she said. She gets up and walks out, and as she goes by the stove, she takes a dish rag from the top of the stove, throws it over her shoulder. There was a hand axe sitting by the door, one bit of axe, and she picked that up. Oh, my goodness. There's a need for milk, and they're going for a hand axe. This is awesome. You thought it was a crazy story, right, when I was telling you about the guy who was over the, the football field of sand? Or when they were picking up Jake's hair, he thought it was crazy. Uh, this happened like 10 years ago. And she t also gets a bucket that holds about 10 quarts. And she goes out around the log cabin to the dark side on the back side. And she puts that dishcloth across the end of the log. And with a good hefty swing, she puts that axe into that dishcloth. And after... That she twisted the dishcloth and set the bucket down under it, squatted down, put her knees down on the ground so she was comfortable, and sit there, and Arch Crows was watching her. He had followed her, and he said she milked the ten-quart bucket of milk out of the log and picked it up and went in the house. Uh, I want to repeat. The lady put the axe handle, put the axe in a piece of wood, wrapped a cloth around it, and milked it. Milked that cloth. This is, guys, this podcast is free. I just want to remind you, it is free to a listener. You cannot get more value in a podcast than you just got right there. And you're probably wondering, why is he talking about this? It's coming. Right there. Right there alone, you should be sending checks to wherever I tell you to send them. Guys, 
She's milking a cloth and getting a quart of milk, and Archie saw it. And he said, we're going up the hill. Brooks caught up with me, and I told him what I saw. And Brooks said, I saw all that went on in the house, and I saw just what you saw in there. You just got to see her milk the dish rag more than I got to see. But boy, I'm glad we didn't stay for supper. And they never did go back anymore. They stayed away from there. Look at that. Look at that right there. Andrew, I want you to put that picture up. That's a medieval, the 15th century depiction of a lady in Europe milking an axe handle. I'm telling you, you cannot pay enough money for this podcast. All right. What the heck is going on? I didn't even tell you about the story of the guy who lit a piece of paper on fire with his hand. That guy was a... He was a Muslim imam, but not really. He was practicing some of the dark arts. We're going to keep things a little shorter and tighter, so I'm going to try to finish and lead you into our next podcast, which is coming out next week. I think what you're seeing, what you're hearing, is people in Appalachia, people, real human beings called Americans, in Appalachia living in a culture that we're going to call not science. That is called a not science culture. Try it again. Welcome to an introduction to not science. And not science is terrifying, especially if deep down you believe in materialism. Because, look, I don't know how to explain this, but if this lady's just not a total delusionary wacko, and if all the people on this great video, by the way, link it, it's a great documentary on uh, Appalachia. If these people have anything like truth going on, then everybody living in that world where those stories are told, everyone growing up like that, all they're thinking is one thing. How the hell do I get around in this darkness? How the hell do we live in this kind of spiritual uncertainty? And of course, this old world witchcraft, because that's what it is. It came across the ocean from pre-enlightenment Europe. It came across. These are the stories about we need to enlighten the world and bring rationalism so we can get rid of such things as this. Well, I'm here to tell you that such things as this will never go away because there is a spiritual world. And I just want to share that if you think there's a spirit and it exists with something like contours of its own, and it has something like, I don't know, a will, then, man, you got to answer this question. How does one live in this immaterial uncertainty? And the answer, I think, well, is you learn how to do spells and curses. Or you learn spiritual asceticism, athleticism, if you think spirits exist, and I know many of you listening do, because you recite that stuff at your various churches, then how does one live in the spiritual uncertainty? You become a spiritual seer. You figure that world out. But for the atheist soul, the answer is not in the immaterial world. It is in the mastery of the material world. You see, our modern world is what it is because atheists, deists, 
scientists, they do something like offer an answer to this uncertainty. They walk into not science culture and say, I have some certainty for you. They tame matter and then say to everyone in not science culture, I have a reward for you. And the reward is material certainty brought to you by me. I'm going to tell you about the atom and I'm going to move it and then split it. And when I split it, you're going to know that I am thy God. The atheist soul takes away all the mystery because that's terrifying. And I call that the new world. That's a new world type of approach to the uncertainty of life. The new world has allowed us to feel in charge, right? I've, I've, manufactured, a, I've manufactured a spreadsheet here that will take into account every single jot and tittle of uncertainty possible to the human mind. I've done a good job of subduing matter for the purpose of making myself and you very, very happy. I think that's a thing. I think it's a mindset. I think it's the new world. And so what I want to do is I want to ask this question on the next three podcasts. How did we get from witches and spells right here White people juju. How did we get from all of that to this, the reign of quantity? That's what Guanan calls it, the reign of quantity. My friend Paul Kingsnorth calls it the machine. So next time, we'll take a little ride through history to see, figure out how the people we heard from today go extinct. How do the people you heard from today go extinct? Talk about the Inquisition, Thomas Aquinas, we'll do some sacred science, we'll do some systematic theology, we got Aristotle, Calvin, Luther, Zwingli, the ever-organized Zwingli, the elect, we'll do it. This has been Watar. This, well, is our First Things Foundation podcast. Check us out at www.first-things.org. Love you guys. Check in next time. Much love. Peace out. What's up?